KKIVA at 93.7 FM. I'm Eddie Erg on the Rock. of talk with me, Stefan Helgeson. This is Project Pushback Radio. For a Saturday afternoon, glad to be here with uh, you. You can uh, visit him directly and get his online, everyday, 10 before 10 stories that come only from Project uh, Pushback and ProjectPushback.com. He's the author of The Eleventh Hour. And it's a guide to pushing back on the liberal left here in the state of New Mexico. And we welcome him into the Kiva. Stefan Helgeson, good afternoon. Good afternoon, and thank you, Eddie. Welcome, everybody, to another Project Pushback Corner half-hour show. As Eddie mentioned, I am the author of the book, The Eleventh Hour, How You Can Push Back at the Liberal Left. It's my third book on conservatism and the Republican Party, and my fourth book on American politics. Before my retirement in 2004, I was a U.S. diplomat for 20 years, and I served in about 30 different foreign countries. It wasn't always a walk in the park working inside the bureaucracy. And I can tell you that I had my share of run-ins with the State Department types who had a very inflexible way of implementing American foreign policy. So after 20 years, I knew it was time for me to hang up my spurs and say goodbye to a job that took me around the world and gave me the opportunity to meet thousands of people from all walks of life. For the last 10 years, I've been working hard to get conservative candidates elected to public office. I managed a Republican candidate's campaign for lieutenant governor and helped an advisor on another, all the while writing articles for the newspapers and doing the occasional radio interview. But last year, I felt like I needed to be doing more. So I set up a political action forum and a website called Project Pushback. Project Pushback's aim is to be a voice for conservative thought and a place to discuss what's really going on in our countries and in our state's politics. My goal is to bring news stories that go behind the scenes of the mainstream media's one-sided reporting in an effort to encourage all of us who believe in smaller, more efficient government that tracks with our constitutional values to push back at the liberal left's talking point. It's not easy in a state like ours where 45% of the registered voters are Democrats and only 30% are Republicans, but we can't let that stop us, especially this year when there's so much at stake. Every morning before the crack of dawn, I research about 15 to 20 different conservative websites, and from those websites I pick out articles that I think will interest my readers. I bundle them together in an email with links to those stories, and send out that email free of charge. If you want to be on my mailing list to receive it, just go to my website, www.projectpushback.com, and send me your contact information. That's all there is to it. Your information's safe and secure with me, and I don't sell it or share it with anyone. I recently set up a new website called mediawatcher.org a place to reveal the truly off-the-wall things that pundits and other people in power are saying that go way beyond the pale. If you're interested, go to www.mediawatcher.org. Okay, let's get down to today's topic. This week, I decided to jump into the deep end of the Democrats' ideological pool to peel back a few layers of their 2020 platform that was approved right after their convention. I give you fair warning. Do not attempt this yourself if you're prone to spikes of high blood pressure. This is not a document for the faint of heart. It is, however, a blueprint that clearly describes where this now radical party 
will take our country should they win in November. Their preamble starts off very patriotically, and I can almost hear fifes and drums playing in the background as I read it. Quote, America is an idea, one that has endured and evolved through war and depression, prevailed over fascism and communism, and radiated hope to far distant corners of the earth. Americans believe that diversity is our greatest strength, that protest is among the highest forms of patriotism, that our fates and fortunes are bound to rise and fall together, that even when we fall short of our highest ideals, we never stop trying to build a more perfect union. Close quote. Well, if I'm to take issue with anything in that paragraph, it has to be the line that protest is among the highest forms of patriotism. It's obvious that the Dems had the current growing protest in America in mind when they wrote that line, and that they are throwing their support to Black Lives Matter and other groups over the rights of the real victims of the protests, the shop owners and average citizens who can no longer travel their own streets without getting assaulted by balaclava-clad groups throwing Molotov cocktails and wielding baseball bats. I think I'd rewrite that, something along the lines of, protests are important to democracy, but at the right place and the right time and for the right reasons. But so is cooperation and compromise. The next few paragraphs have a lot of global this and global that in them. On the climate crisis, the economic downturn, the risks posed to equality, etc., etc., the Dems believe in getting their main issues right up front. No beating around the political bushes here. But it's the next couple of paragraphs that raise my hackles. They state, quote, The bill has come due on the Trump administration's hollowing out of our public institutions, the sidelining of experts, the rejection of science, the underinvestment in research, and the gross corruption and abuses of power. President Trump's dereliction of duty has caused the deaths of tens of thousands of Americans, the loss of tens of millions of American jobs, and lasting harm to our children's education and future. Well, folks, that was just too much. That part about the president's dereliction of duty that caused the deaths of tens of thousands of Americans, that was a bridge too far. It was at this point that I just wanted to chuck the manifesto in the wood stove and let it burn. But I resisted the impulse. I figured I'd channel my Christian nature and turn the other cheek while I turned the other page. Then I fell over the next pompous lines. Quote, Democrats will fight to repair the soul of this nation, to unite and to heal our country, to turn this crisis into a crucible, from which we will forge a stronger, brighter, and more equitable future. We must right the wrongs in our democracy, redress the sy systemic injustices that have long plagued our society, throw open the doors of opportunity for all Americans, and reinvent our institutions at home and our leadership abroad. We do not simply aspire to return our country to where we were four years ago. We know we must be bolder, and more ambitious, close quote. I started mumbling to myself, have you forgotten your opposition to the civil rights legislation of the 60s 
when LBJ practically had to browbeat Southern Democrats into voting for it? And where were you during the eight long Obama years when you held the levers of executive and legislative branch power, not to mention a majority of progressive justices on the Supreme Court? What did you do to redress the perceived racial injustices you go on and on about? And what did you do to bring the rest of us together under a half-black president? Answer, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Drunk with power, you took a few years off and instead let the orator-in-chief burn through a dozen or so executive orders and let SCOTUS legislate from the bench while Pelosi and Reed passed the biggest travesty of a bill ever perpetrated on the American public, the Patients Affordable Health Care Act. You remember that one, don't you? That one bill that you have to pass in order to know what's in it? That bill took the cake for hubris. Thank you, San Fran Nan, for your leadership on that one and for disadvantaging 320 million Americans to help out 20 million in need of an insurance solution. What a great deal that was. Democrats go on to say, quote, Republicans have rigged the economy in favor of the wealthiest few and the biggest corporations and left working families and small businesses out in the cold, close quote. Give me a big, fat break. Talk about selective memory. How quick the Dems forget about the largest single tax cut in modern history that benefited working families and the record low unemployment for everybody, including minorities, and the millions of new jobs created by this president and American industry that brought back thousands of jobs from places like Mexico and China. The Dems go on to talk about their long fight for universal health care, but they conveniently forget to tell you that national health care would cost our economy in terms of private sector jobs lost, a reduction of our overall access to health care because of a paucity of health care workers who would get out of the business, the limits it would place on the development of new drugs, an escalation of fraud and graft, and waiting lines for non-life-threatening surgeries that countries with national health care systems experience every single day. Then they talk of stamping out voter suppression, but not a word about making the system more transparent by cleaning up voter rolls or the creation of non-forgeable picture voter ID cards. No, no, they don't want that level of security. That would be asking too much of the average citizen. Never mind you need an ID to purchase aerosol paint, glue, or a bottle of wine. A voter ID card, oh, well, that would be racist. They say, quote, we will never accept political gridlock as our fate, close quote. Yet, they have ignored the wishes of the majority of the Senate and frittered away their time by passing hundreds of bills to nowhere out of the House full well knowing that they were DOA in the Senate. Gridlock is also a self-imposed condition when one party purposely wastes everybody's time. Gridlock is also the result of insulting actions, like when Speaker Pelosi ripped up the President's State of the Union remarks behind his back in full view of the TV cameras. Add to this many other denigrating comments she has spewed forth in months past, 
not to mention impeaching him for a bogus collusion scandal. The latest coup de grace is threatening to create a new process for removing a sitting president under the guise of the 25th Amendment. And while she may be telling the truth about this new initiative not being squarely aimed at Trump, she may also be hiding another Democrat wish to be able to remove a President Joe Biden and install the first half-black woman, Kamala Harris, in his stead. Talk about Machiavellian politics. That one alone accounts for several layers of the Democrats' political onion. The next few paragraphs concentrated on the Dems' favorite hobby horse, systemic racism, and rampant widespread inequality. Their preamble goes on to say, quote, Democrats will root out structural and systemic racism in our economy and our society and reform our criminal justice system from top to bottom because we believe black lives matter. We will ensure that our nation continues to prize diversity and compassion and welcomes those who yearn to participate in our great democratic experiment by creating a humane 21st century immigration system that benefits all Americans. We will give hate no safe harbor. We will never amplify or legitimize the voices of racism, misogyny, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim bigotry, or white supremacy. Democrats will protect and promote the equal rights of all our citizens, women, LGBTQ plus people, religious minorities, people with disabilities, Native Americans, and all who have been discriminated against in too many ways and for too many generations. We should be used to this rhetoric by now, but it still grates on me and smells to high heaven as hypocrisy of the first order. President Trump has done more for minorities, especially blacks, in his first term than practically any president before him, with the exception of Abraham Lincoln. On the DACA recipients, he reached out to Congress with a generous compromise to settle their situation a couple of years ago, but was rebuffed. The Dems' claim about the president's so-called Muslim travel ban was simply a canard. The largest Muslim nations weren't even on the list of countries with ties to terrorism, terrorism being the reason the ban was put into place to begin with. On the subject of diversity, well, uh, there you go. The left has conveniently ignored the attacks on America's religious communities, like those on the Little Sisters of the Poor, that were forced to take their case for an exemption of the birth control mandates forced on them by Obamacare all the way to the Supreme Court. The Dems are masters of hypocrisy and at turning the tables on the truth and still sounding pious and righteous. You know, it's truly amazing. They talk about providing world-class education to every child in every zip code, but in the same breath attack the Trump administration and Education Secretary Betsy DeVos for supporting freedom of school choice with charter schools, for example. On foreign policy, they want us to return to endless talk and not use our leverage with our NATO allies and others. They want a gentler, softer diplomacy, one that gives away the store, again, like the Obiden, 
excuse me, the Obama-Biden administration did with the Iran deal and the Paris Climate Accords. They want to do away with a stick-together and instead adopt an all-carrot policy of winning the day. And they fully expect that this lead-from-behind-and-softly approach will actually get dictators and despots to stand down. These are the things bedtime stories are made of. History has recorded how systemic weakness repeatedly provides a power vacuum and emboldens the forces of evil. We cannot afford to let idealists with no tether to reality become our leaders in a dangerous world. The Democrat Party closes its preamble thusly, quote, Above all, Democrats still believe in the American idea, its principles, its purchase, purpose, and its promise. We know that four more years of the crass, craven, corrupt leadership we have seen from Donald Trump and the Republican Party will damage our character and our country beyond repair. Close quote. With that as their lead in, what follows on successive pages, and there are 92 of them, is a chapter, line, and verse repetition of the Democrats' greatest hits of unworkable and costly proposals. On the coronavirus, they claim that the president and his administration have mismanaged the national response to the pandemic, and by that mismanagement caused the deaths of thousands of our fellow citizens. According to them, he has hung small businesses out to dry while cutting blank checks to the largest corporations. He's failed to enact adequate support for public school systems, colleges, universities, and state and local governments to maintain public services and jobs. He's endangered the health of essential workers by failing to enact workplace safety standards and neglected to protect working families from economic ruin. Close quote. They believe that a coordinated COVID-19 national response with national mandates were in order and don't accept the Federalist argument that each state was required to make up its own mind about how to tackle their individual situations. This is the Dems' power over the people argument that comprises their big government approach to just about everything. Nope. They were more concerned about the need for a wholesale federal lockdown and a national mask mandate than a more measured state-by-state approach. Had they advocated for the state-by-state approach, they would have had to explain why so many blue states handled the outbreak so poorly, like New York, for example. Also, they criticized President Trump for not maintaining an adequate supply of personal protective equipment on hand when, in fact, the Obama administration let its stockpiles dwindle down. And they completely ignored the $1,200 stimulus checks that went out to each taxpayer or the small business fund set up to assist our small business sector. The Dems went on to say that America must never again be left vulnerable to a global pandemic. Democrats believe we must follow the informed advice of scientists and public health experts, and will take steps to protect federal scientists from political influence. Democrats will act swiftly to set up a comprehensive national public health surveillance program for COVID-19 and future infectious diseases. We will recruit at least 100,000 contact tracers with support from trusted local organizations in the communities most at risk 
to help state and local health departments use culturally competent approaches to identify people at risk of contracting or spreading the coronavirus, close quote. These few sentences serve as a warning to us that the Dems are prepared to nationalize the entire health effort. They have obviously forgotten how poorly the Obama administration handled the swine flu outbreak. They also reveal a plan to stand up an army of federal investigators, contact tracers, that will require you to turn over your health information to them and inform on your friends. This is a blatant attack on our civil liberties and a direct assault on our privacy, but it's what you'll get under a Joe Biden administration. Our workers' rights under the Dems platform, well, they want to attach workers more closely to their employers and place further costly demands on those employers. Democrats believe, they go on to say, that we must take care of our workforce and aim to keep workers whole. We'll reform the current unemployment insurance system to enable more workers to remain attached to their jobs, including by promoting payroll support and work-sharing programs with generous rates of wage replacement and requirements that employers maintain workers' benefits, close quote. In short, they will make it almost impossible for small business owners to hire full-time employees due to excessive wage-related costs. The result will be an increase in freelance or contract workers or more part-time workers, or worst case, no outside workers at all in small family-owned businesses. This is just one example of how disconnected the Democrats are to the realities of the economy. Here's another example of how the Dems' proposals would increase taxes for ordinary families and help bail out failing blue states that have been mismanaged and have large unfunded, unfunded liabilities like pension plans. Quote, Democrats will extend significant aid to state and local governments, school districts, and public and nonprofit colleges and universities, including HBCUs and MSIs, to address these budget shortfalls and secure jobs. We will condition state and federal aid on maintaining and expanding public sector employment, including provisions to protect workers' rights, close quote. I must admit, it's hard to keep a straight face when perusing the statements made on how Democrats view the economy. It's as if we're living in two completely different parallel universes. Here's the sentence that sticks out most to me, quote, President Trump inherited the longest economic expansion in American history from the Obama-Biden administration, and he squandered it, close quote. The facts just don't support that. And that's all we really need to say about that, except that the Democrats have no problem in building a solid argument on the shifting sands of half-truths or downright lies. The Democrats' case for transforming the U.S. from an opportunity-based meritocracy to a quasi-socialist utopia is expressed in these statements. Quote, That is why Democrats commit to forging a new social and economic contract with the American people a contract that invests in the people and promotes shared prosperity, not one that benefits only big corporations and the wealthiest few, one that affirms housing is a right and not a privilege, and which makes a commitment that no one will be homeless or go hungry in the richest country on earth. A new economic contract that raises wages and restores workers' rights to organize, join a union, and collectively bargain. Close quote. Note the right to housing and the right to a full belly 
along with the restoration of workers' rights to give preference to union membership and presumably eliminate the right-to-work laws on the books in many states already. Everybody should read the Dems' platform on the economy. It's illuminating. Perhaps the one area where Republicans will agree with the Dems' platform is in the area of infrastructure. That is, except for creating a half-million government-paid charging stations for electric vehicles and for building out massive numbers of miles of new track for high-speed rail. This one, quote, investment, close quote, could eat up the entire infrastructure appropriation on its own and burnish the government's right to choose winning technologies for the rest of us, something the government shouldn't be doing. Let me end this first installment of the onion peelback with this portion of the Dems platform that deals with the whole issue of so-called reproductive rights. Democrats are committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health, rights, and justice. We believe unequivocally, like the majority of Americans, that every woman should be able to access high-quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We will repeal the Title X domestic gag rule and restore federal funding for Planned Parenthood, which provides vital preventative and reproductive health care for millions of people, especially low-income people and people of color and LGBTQ plus people, including in underserved areas. Democrats oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to reproductive health and rights. We will repeal the Hyde Amendment and protect and codify the right to reproductive freedom. We condemn acts of violence, harassment, and intimidation of reproductive health providers, patients, and staff. We will address the discrimination and barriers that inhibit meaningful access to reproductive health care services, including those based on gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, race, income, disability, geography, and other factors. Democrats oppose restrictions on medication abortion care that are inconsistent with the most recent medical and scientific evidence and that do not protect public health. We recognize that quality, affordable, comprehensive health care, medically accurate, LGBTQ plus inclusive, age-appropriate sex education, and the full range of family planning services are all essential to ensuring that people can decide if, when, and how to start a family. We are proud to be the party of the Affordable Health Care Act, which prohibits discrimination in health care on the basis of sex and requires insurers to cover prescription contraceptives at no cost. These efforts have significantly reduced teen and unintended pregnancies by making it easier to, to decide whether, when, and how to have a child. We believe that a person's health should always come first. Democrats will protect the rights of all people to make personal health care decisions and will reject the Trump administration's use of broad exemptions to allow medical providers, employers, and others to discriminate. Close quote. You'll notice that nowhere, absolutely nowhere, in those paragraphs are the rights of the unborn spoken of. Why? Because the Democrats don't believe that the unborn have any rights. And that goes for the fathers of unborn children as well. While they say that they believe that a person's health always comes first, 
that doesn't apply to the helpless fetus that lives and grows inside of his or her own mother. Like so many of the Democrats' pronouncements, it's always what they don't say that speaks louder than what they choose to say. Well, I'd like you to stay tuned for the next review of their manifesto that I'll be doing next week. And have your blood pressure medicine handy because it's going to raise your stats. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but I will continue this run-through, as I said, of the Democrat Party platform in next week's program. And as I said earlier, if you want to be put on my mailing list to get an early morning wake-up email with a dozen political stories of interest of the day, log on to www.projectpushback.com and send me your contact information. I'm generally ready to send out the email by 6.30 a.m., and it's usually in your hands by that time, just in time for your first cup of coffee. Well, that's enough for today. Make sure you get out there and vote early if you can, because early voting starts on October 17th in Bernalillo County. Be sure to tune in to this program at the same time next week for another Project Pushback Half Hour. Finally, please remember to keep your radio dial firmly fixed on KIVA AM 1600 for the absolute best in conservative talk radio. So long for now.